High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning, and I'm sorry I'm a little late today. Apparently, there were some sort of technical issues because I am talking all the way from Israel here for a week, checking out the sites. Apparently, there's a little thing called the Maccabi Games on. Didn't know that, but anyway, what can I say? We uh, seeing all the people running around. There's a great atmosphere, and wow, what an incredibly connected, technologically advanced. Uh, country this is. Everything is connected. Everything works uh, via your smartphone. And everywhere you go, you just see people sitting on their phones, doing what they need to do. And trust me, I've never seen so many people on ways in my life. The roads are full of wazes, but it works, keeps you out of trouble. So there's my hint of the day. Use ways. The more people on the road with ways, the better it is for everybody. But now off uh, to our usual sort of tech talk format, and I've got to cover a couple of the news of the week items and uh, some interesting stuff happening. Even though this is holiday time in the Northern Hemisphere, everyone's on holiday, everyone's chilling, a lot of them by the beach. It's only 35 degrees and 80% humidity to all you shivering Joe Burgers, I must tell you. This is wonderful change, though air conditioning dinkum saves your life <laughs> wherever you go. Hot and humid is not always the best for enjoying yourself. But some interesting news out of Microsoft, and it was coming. We all knew this. Windows Phone really did not take off the way it should have. It simply never happened. It was just one of those amazing things. A lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of time. Nokia essentially um, did themselves in by backing the wrong horse. Instead of Android, they backed Windows Phone. And... Um, ultimately sold off their entire Lumia phone division to Microsoft, who put tons of money, billions of dollars, and it never really happened. So what Microsoft have done is they've announced the end of support for Windows Phone 8.1. So anyone who's got a Nokia Lumia running, and most of the Lumias that were sold in South Africa, except some of the very last ones that were sold, could only run between Windows 7 Windows Phone 7 and Windows Phone 8 or 8.1, um, and could not be upgraded to the latest version, Windows Phone 10. Now, if you cannot upgrade your phone to Windows 10, there will be no more support, no more updates, no more anything coming out of Microsoft for those operating systems. That's not to say that the phones themselves will stop working. They will continue to work, but there'll be no security patches, and ultimately, all the apps that used to work on there will, will stop working in the nearest future. So if, and I mean, there are probably not a lot of you out there using Windows Phone. Um, if you have a Windows Phone, it's become a bit of an antique. It's really not going to take you anywhere. And uh, it's not going to do much because none of the new apps, none of the new platforms are going to operate on it. So it's a sad day, but it was, as I said, somewhat inevitable. If it can be upgraded to Windows 10, there's probably still a window of opportunity till around about 2018. But essentially, the time has come, if you're running any form of Nokia, Lumia, or Windows Phone, to move on to something new. And, I mean, there's a whole new range of uh, Android-based Nokia smartphones coming from HMD Global, which, in essence, are really reasonable from 2,400 Rand to about 4,000 Rand. And I must tell you, I've played with, the I've played with them. The quality is excellent. They work extremely well. And they run the industry standard for smartphones today. If you don't have an iPhone and running iOS, 
then you've got an Android phone 99.9% of the time because that seems to be the de facto operating system out there. little fragmented, unfortunately, but people running old versions, new versions, all sorts of versions. But generally, the latest phones come with clean, easy-to-use Android. And um, for the most part, most people don't even notice the difference. They use, they WhatsApp, they Waze, as I was saying earlier, and do what they do. But that's it, end of an era. Windows effectively are out of the Windows Phone business. And there will be no more... Um, no more updates for Windows Phone 8 or any version below 10 and very limited updates for Windows 10 because at their recent conference they didn't even mention Mobile 10 and none of the creator update that's been available for Windows 10 on laptops and desktops is coming or has seems to be coming to any of the Windows Phone builds that are being pushed out to the various devices across the world. So just shows you that that little game is over. Now, moving on to something else really interesting. I know on High FM and for many, you know, many sort of conversations at dinner parties and with friends, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, which are two huge issues around the world. You're going to hear a lot about blockchain and cryptocurrencies and Bitcoins and Ethereum. There are a lot of different things happening in the sort of online space. But essentially, uh, a report, a recent report that's come out has shown that most retailers who try to get in on the action really early and listen, money's money. And if you retail, you'll accept any money. But the Bitcoin acceptance amongst retailers has never really been high. But unfortunately, with all the volatility and all the madness going on, it's actually getting lower. And one of the other reasons why it's getting lower is that the costs, the one benefit of a cryptocurrency without central bank or other bank involvement is that it was very, very easy and frictionless and cheap to transact. Well, unfortunately, with all the dangers involved in the Bitcoin sort of exchanges, because those are the places you need to be able to take real money that we, that we all use into the digital age of Bitcoin and put it in the Bitcoin and get it out the Bitcoin, have been getting a lot more regulated, a lot more expensive. So all of a sudden, the use of Bitcoin as an investment, as a speculative investment may work, but as a currency, it seems to be sliding uh, more and more and more. So the more you hear about it, great idea. Maybe not mainstream yet. I wouldn't give up my uh, master card or my visa card or start transferring all my money from rands or dollars into Bitcoin for now because the volatility is huge. The costs are climbing and there's a massive fork in the road coming up, which we'll talk about some other time um, in the next couple of weeks, which may just spell the end of the cryptocurrency as we know it. So watch out for Bitcoin. It's a great thing to listen about, a great thing to talk about, but perhaps not a great way to pay um, for your various services and whatnot. Now, moving on to some other news, but we'll have to, I can see, I'm going to stick to my schedule. I can see the time has come for a quick ad break. So we'll have a quick break now for an ad, and then I'll be back with a little bit more news and a discussion about electric cars, because cars and tech are moving ahead at an accelerating pace, literally. And uh, we're seeing massive announcements around that. And we'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, hi there and welcome back. And before we get into my Tech Talk Cafe segment, don't have any interviews today. A little difficult to organize such from Israel as 
as you can imagine. Um, I'm just going to look at one or two more news items, which are really interesting. We've all heard of fishing, and fishing on the Internet is not exactly the same as wandering down to the local dam and trying to catch a few trout or whatever it is that you catch with a fishing rod. But fishing on the Internet is simply a way of reeling in a couple of fish and landing up, um, extorting them essentially for all sorts of money and you know, it is pervasive. It is certainly not getting um, less. And we see more and more of it. And in many cases, phishing is not just about trying to get, you know, a couple of rand or dollars out of the unsuspecting public, but it has a really massive dark side. And that is for companies. How do people get into company networks? How do they break into and hack various databases Often it's not that simple. It's not that easy. What you see on the movies where people sort of type in and, and tap in doesn't always work quite the same way. But a way into any network is to use phishing, is to send emails, send sort of some form of communication to people and trick them into downloading and installing malware or software programs or viruses that ultimately open doorways, open gateways into various networks. Now, Internet Solutions, which is one of the largest internet, well, not internet, but networking companies in South Africa, have launched something which they call Fishnet, which is aimed mostly at corporates and businesses. Um, and it's a security education service, which lets security teams launch authentic phishing campaigns against their colleagues. So what happens is that you set up someone internally in your business to launch a phishing campaign against um, the staff, everybody in staff. It sounds a little rough, but it actually works extremely well because unfortunately phishing is still the most popular form of cybercrime and it is really highly profitable. They steal your banking pins, steal your credit card details, passwords. So, you know, when you hear about people who somehow the banks have been hacked and their one-time password was compromised, it's probably as a result of a phishing exercise. It doesn't happen randomly. There may well be someone sitting inside um, the bank that's helping and colluding, but without the ability to get to the client, because no bank employee can ever see your password, ever. They can never see your PIN. That is always hidden from everybody. The security around that is massive. But if they trick you into revealing it, or if they watch you when you're using your computer because of a phishing um, exploit and you somehow downloaded something that did nothing, you may land up giving that inadvertently to someone. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a a problem and then they hack into your bank account, they change your, your phone number and there you go, you've been um, hacked. Now Fishnet bolsters this training by demonstrating what the phishing lure or the whole thing looks like. And unfortunately, as everybody says, employee behavior, what we do online, what you and I do online at the office, we see an innocuous looking email, it has a PDF attachment which all of us are used to, we click on it, nothing happens doesn't open. We think, oh, well, we reply, uh, email not working, please send again. You never hear from them. You forget about it. But in the background, what has happened is that PDF was not a PDF. It was malicious code. It's It actually worked on your computer, loaded something there, and allows the hackers to get in. So um, go and have a look at the, if you're interested in this and you want to try it out and see how um, vulnerable your company is, or vulnerable your people are in your company, go to the uh, internet solutions, is.co.za website, have a look, 
for their um, fishnet, and it's not fishnet stockings, it's just fishnet system, and see if that may work for your company or even for yourself, just to see exactly what it is that phishing does and how how easy it is to get caught by these really sophisticated um, attacks, which many, many, many people just don't even realize they're getting caught with. And it's, it's scary. It, it's not something that you can avoid. Uh, emails come through all day. All sorts of other things come through. Messages come through all day. And it's, it's really quite hard to avoid it. So well done to Internet Solutions to launch an internal hack of your own network to see exactly how vulnerable you are and to train your staff, yourself, as to what a phishing attack would look like, how it would proceed, and what not to do online. It's actually quite great that they're doing this, and it's, it's good education. Now, moving on to something that really I've been following quite closely, and the rise of the electric car, or rather the end of the fossil fuel-powered car, is, is nigh approaching. There is no question that we are moving really, really quickly into the age where you won't fill your car up. You'll charge your car up at some point. And um, it's coming closer and closer and closer. Well, this week, uh, I spoke about it earlier on Tuesday, the launch of the Tesla Model 3, or the commercial launch, the first 30 rolled off the production line and obviously into the hands of, uh, um, of Elon Musk and his management team. I think they're a little bit worried that they – you know, before they release these things out into the wild. But the Tesla Model 3 is the culmination of years and years of, of Tesla advances and, of course, of the, the rollout of all their madly expensive Tesla Roadster cars and, and other cars. I was recently in Hong Kong and I was astonished at the quantity of Tesla cars on the road. Partially, I found out, was due to the fact that um, there's massive tax benefits in buying, or there were massive tax tax benefits in buying a Tesla car in Hong Kong. And it's a small island. It's a very contained area. So three to 500 mile, you know, uh, fuel, or not fuel, but charge capacity is more than good enough. The chances of you ever getting uh, 300 miles or five, 600 kilometers away from uh, your home base is pretty much non-existent. So sitting in traffic, going a couple of miles this way, a couple of kilometers that way, makes perfect sense in a tiny locality like Hong Kong. But the fact is the cars themselves look really futuristic. They're dead silent. It's actually a real problem when they see them whizzing up behind you. Um, but the new Model 3 is now pretty much their mass-produced model. Tesla produced somewhere in the region of 30,000 cars the whole of last year. They're aiming to produce somewhere in the region of 20,000 cars per month of the Model 3 in the next couple of uh, months going forward in the next couple of years. And this will totally change the way that people see them at $35,000, which is about 450,000, 500,000 rand. It is certainly not an inexpensive, it's not a polo, it's not a, a low cost car, but it certainly is an affordable option in the mid-range sort of 3 Series, BMW 3 Series, um, low-end Mercedes-style car. And it changes a lot. And here's something really interesting. Um, there has been a hint that the Tesla Model 3 will come to South Africa. So you should start seeing them around the urban centers of Cape Town, Johannesburg, hopefully sometime in early 2018, uh, towards the mid-2018. And the charging ports will be very similar to the work that Nissan and uh, BMW have been doing. So the, the groundwork is there. You already see the odd 
uh, BMW running around, the odd Nissan Leaf running around, all fully electric, charging stations at uh, dealers pretty much across the country, Santon, Melrose, a lot of places putting in charging stations. At the moment, they're illegal parking spots for people with decidedly non-electric cars, but that's another story. But the fact is, these cars are mainstream, they're relatively affordable. Who knows what the pricing will be when they finally get to the country. But again, I do believe that they're going to be some benefits in trying to push that, some tax breaks, certainly no carbon tax. So the, the growth of, of electric cars, the growth of these sort of models are, is, is going to happen a lot quicker than people think. And it was at the same time, and this is where it actually starts becoming more and more interesting, another major car manufacturer have announced and committed in a huge way that from 2019, Volvo will not produce um, a car that does not have an electric motor. So essentially, they are signaling the end of fuel-based cars. That's both fuel or diesel, petrol or diesel, um, going forward. And from 2019, which is essentially 18 months from now, that's not a long time in the car industry. In 18 months' time, you will not be able to buy a Volvo, or rather, you will be. Perhaps there'll be older models, and there'll certainly be you know, models that still exist. But every new model it launches from 2019 onwards will have an electric motor. And it'll come in three different varieties. It'll be the pure electric, which is um, obviously completely electric, no motor at all, full-on plug-in unit. You have to plug it in. You have to, um, you know, you, you only charge it at the various places. Or they're going to do a full hybrid. So, in other words, it's a combination of plug-in hybrid. So, it'll have a small motor along with a plug-in rechargeable um, electric motor. And then the, the so-called electric motor hybrid light, where it'll have an electric motor that's charged by the petrol motor um, and used you know, with regenerative charging, because that's becoming a big thing. Every time you brake, you charge your battery, because that's how electric motors work. When they're pushing out power, they're electric motors. And when, they are, when you're braking and you're pushing power into them, they're generators, which charge batteries. So... Expect to see Volvo moving really quickly. So between um, 19, 2019 and 2021, they're going to launch five fully electric cars, three of which which they say will be Volvo models. It'll probably be across the various, the V40, the V60, and the V90, um, whatever they call them at that point. But they're also um, creating a high-end sort of pure performance electric car called Polestar. Now, you Volvo fans out there will know that Polestar has always been the performance arm of Volvo's car, and you could get various models with Polestar mods, which made them really quick and fancy. But um, they're now spinning that off completely, and the Polestar cars will be fully electric, high-performance um, cars. So really interesting stuff coming from that point of view. And um, a lot of the Volvo cars with electric motors are going to have to hit the roads in South Africa. They're a brand that we're seeing so expect to see charging points everywhere. And I was just talking. We're seeing that happening here in Israel, uh, a lot of hybrid cars running around. And the, the opportunity for, for retail, um, for shopping at the various charging spots becomes very real because often you might have to stop for between 20 and 30 minutes to get a full, full charge. 
and it would be a great way to go and have a cup of coffee, do some quick convenience shopping. So expect to see the few the 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 forecourts of the petrol stations to change quite considerably. Cars obviously are going to run on fuel for many 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 years, decades in fact going ahead. But the growth of electric is going to reshape very significantly not only the fact of the car itself, but the entire ecosystem around the cars, the servicing, the forecourts, the charging spots, how you park your car, where you park your car, and um, all sorts of other technologies which we're going to talk about a little bit down the road. But essentially, we are looking at a world where the combustion engine, which has been so dominant for so many years, is going away, and um, we're going to see all electric vehicles coming at a rapid rate, expect to uh, spe- to own your first hybrid vehicle in the next couple of years. And I was talking to the guys at Ford as well, which is really interesting, just trying to get a sense, because Ford certainly are aiming, you know, Volvo, BMW, Tesla, these are high-end cars. These are cars that are aimed definitely at the, the top end of the market, million rand and thereabouts upwards. None of them are particularly cheap. Although, as I say, Ford, or, um, not Ford, Volvo are aiming to even electrify some of their, you know, their, their lower models. Uh, but Ford have always aimed at sort of the mid-range of the car market. And they've been doing a lot of work around autonomous driving, um, electric cars. And although they've released a couple of hybrid cars and electric cars in the U.S., it's not really gone mainstream. They have said that by 2020 they will have their first all-electric and first autonomous car on the market, which should be really, really interesting. But Ford are being very late to the electric vehicle game. But they, but they are working long and hard, and they are bringing out a brand-new mass-produced car, which will have a, a range of around about 700, 750 kilometers, which is quite, um, quite a lot considering uh, these are battery-powered cars. And it's around about 30 40% better than the current crop of cars, which have a range between... 400 and 600 kilometers at the outside um, and uh, expect Ford to and they have announced essentially that by 2020 they'll have something which um, well, it's called Model C I think for now I'm sure they're going to give it a lot more game uh, a lot a lot a lot better name in the nearest future but um, right now that model is going to compete with all the other guys in the space but again you can see that their whole focus their whole um, Tension has changed and is moving. And here's another little rumor that came across my desk in the whole car space. It may not even be a rumor because um, many a hint and a nod has gone at that. And in fact, um, having driven a couple of the, the, the BMW electric hybrids over the last little while and the pure electrics between the i8 and the i3, um, BMW are also not sitting still. And they're expecting to release a full electric 3 series now, you see, this is where it all gets really, really interesting. The model, the Tesla Model 3 in the U.S. is going to compete right in the heart of the 3 Series range. And that is the core of what BMW does. It's always been the sportiest, most fun drive. You know, it's always been a really sweet spot, a car with character, a car with drivability. And um, here comes an electric car that offers all the benefits, gets all the tax breaks, and suddenly it's competing head-to-head price and quality and feature-wise with their sort of most popular car. So the chances are that a fully electric Mini is coming and a fully electric BMW is coming um, 
in September at the uh, show, which is a couple of months away. Um, and this is at the, I'm trying to remember which show it was, um, the Frankfurt show. That's right, at the Frankfurt Car Show. They're going to be announcing the new Electric 3 Series, which is should be uh, should be uh, should be quite a big move because it certainly will add to the whole range. And they've already done it to the 5 Series, but that was hybrid. And the X5, which was again hybrid, but a fully electric BMW 3 Series makes a lot of sense. And the infrastructure is there. So look out for that. I think we're going to see a lot more action from all the car manufacturers in the electric space. And expect to uh, find more and more fuel stations, more and more stops along the road, which are going to give you the ability to charge your car. So there's huge change coming, huge technological advances in the car industry. And that's before we even start talking about autonomous connected cars and all the other good stuff that has been going on in the back end. But I think changing from fuel and diesel engine cars, diesel courtesy of uh, our dear friends at VW is pretty much dead. But there's no question that um, fuel cars and diesel cars are on their way out and electric cars are fully on their way in. So keep your eyes open. It's going to be a lot more about this in the next little while. But electric cars seem to be on the rise in a big way. And we'll be back with a little bit more news, some gadgets I've been playing with straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Hi there and welcome back and again onto the best part of the show as far as I'm concerned. I love the news, I love the views, I love all the technology that I get to play with and get to see. But playing with the gadgets certainly gets me going. I really enjoy being able or having the being fortunate enough, fortunate enough to get my hands on some of the greatest tech and the greatest gadgets and uh, review them and, and experience them and compare them to all the various other bits and pieces and share it with you guys right here on High FM on Tech Talk. So moving on to something I've, I've played with over the last few months, and I had another quick uh, review a couple of weeks ago before, unfortunately, the unit had to go back to the, to the uh, manufacturer, and that was the LG G6 Mobile. Now, it came out in April, and... A month, three months, six months in the mobile phone world is an age. There's no question. In the interim, a whole host of other phones have come out. The launch of the Samsung Galaxy S8 um, certainly overshadowed it to some extent. But a couple of things have happened and why I wanted to review it again on air and just highlight what a, a really quality phone the LG G6 is, is that, one, they dropped the price. Uh, considerably from around about 15,000 Rand. You can now pick it up at around about 11,900 Rand. And price is not the only story here, but at that price, it certainly is a top notch device. Um, one that'll give you years, literally years of great service. But also the fact that, you know, there are so many promises in the mobile phone space and having played with all the top end mobile devices out there, I constantly get asked, what is the best value, best quality mobile device, um, you know, right now. And it's a really tough, tough, tough um, question to answer because the, we've reached a point where from all the manufacturers in the sort of 10,000 Rand plus range, you're getting absolutely outstanding devices. We're talking about cameras that are pretty much, state-of-the-art is a difficult word to use, but pretty much 
in that league. Cameras that a couple of years ago you would never, ever imagine you could have on a portable, light, easy-to-use device like a smartphone. Um, screens that are large, clear, sharp with resolution you cannot believe, uh, along with all sorts of other added functionality, speed, ability to play games, um, stream videos, high-speed connectivity, you know, with the latest versions of LTE, LTE Plus on the various networks. So, and build quality, that's outstanding. Waterproof, you know, all these boxes are being ticked um, on, a, on, a, on a considerably more regular basis. So it becomes more and more difficult to pick a device that most of us will end up using for at least two years on a contract or 18 months at least on a contract, and one that will give us great service, um, work extremely well, and yet stay close to the cutting edge that you really don't mind using it um, on, on an extended basis. And that is where the LG really stands out. They've had a long history in the mobile device space. The G2 changed the perception for a lot of people. Last year, the G5, really, they tried to break new ground with replaceable modules. But that gamble didn't work out too well for them. But the G6, in many ways, has gone back to basics, all aluminium build, um, solid, sophisticated look, waterproof, which is great. Certainly doesn't mind the odd splash. And, you know, I was talking on the phone when someone turned the hose on me, which wasn't very smart in the middle of winter, but I wasn't watching where I was walking. Uh, phone just needed a wipe off and on it went. The odd drop in the pool or the bath, no problem whatsoever. And certainly doesn't mind having a glass of wine or a beer spilt over it. So you don't realize how important waterproofing is until you have that little disaster and your 10,000 Rand phone goes on the fritz. So waterproofing now standard on the new G6, but a couple of standout features that really sort of set it aside from the other phones on the market other than the um, Samsung, which has a very similar look. The LG have adopted a brand new ratio of 18 by 9 for the screen. So in other words, the screen is now taller than it's wider, where the older ones were older, the other phones or the standard used to be 16 by 9. And not only is the screen taller, which makes for a massive screen in a very tiny body, the bezel, the edges around the screen are uh, tiny. So the screen dominates the whole front, and that's all you pretty much see um, with regard to the G6. It's obviously a quad HD screen, so it's incredibly sharp. Colors are excellent. It's not AMOLED. It's it's just a uh, a LED screen, which, but when I say just, it is an outstanding screen. It's great and good sun, in, in sunlight. In some ways, it's not as vivid and as sort of overblown as an OLED screen, the colors, but it does lack a little in the black, so sometimes it's not as punchy as some of the other top-end screens. But that's a small little price to pay. What it, It's a 5.7-inch, uh, they call it a full-vision display, and it is really up there with some of the best on the market. It also has... Um, a very, very, very good dual 13-megapixel rear camera, which I must tell you again, um, perhaps I do prefer the Samsung uh, Galaxy S8 camera. It is marginally sharper, slightly easier to use, a little faster to take pictures, but we're talking about tiny, tiny details here. Essentially, the camera is outstanding. It also has dual, it's a, a dual camera. It's got a, 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 close, a closer or medium focus and a long focus lens. And uh, switching between the two is utterly seamless. You don't even notice it. As you zoom, it switches to the, the, the zoom long-distance camera. 
and uh, takes outstanding pictures. The front, they haven't forgotten the front uh, camera, which is a, a five megapixel selfie camera, wide angle, so you can get really a lot of people into it. A couple other things that the screen um, has, something that they call Dolby Vision and HDR10 support, which if you watch Netflix on your phone, you cannot believe how much better HDR10 or HDR mode in Netflix and, funny enough, Amazon Prime um, looks. So when you're watching movies on your phone, uh, which I know a lot of people do, YouTube is starting to come out with some of those features, but not yet at this point. Um, but certainly if you're watching any Netflix or Amazon Prime video, the quality of the colors, the contrast ratios are really huge. So not a biggie, but the fact is it's right up there with the latest technology. What uh, the, G, the LG G6 does not have is some of the latest uh, processors which are coming in some of the newest flagships right now. But the the processor that it uses is incredibly well optimized. I must tell you, no game I've played did not work exceptionally well. No, um, no lag, no uh, delay. It was fast, fluid, slick, and incredibly easy to use. So in essence... Choosing a smartphone can be a little challenging. Most of us keep them, as I said, for around about 18 months. And um, in that time, it's probably the one piece of technology that you use more than pretty much anything else out there. And from that point of view, using the G6 for over a month, I was traveling with it, really highlighted how well thought out, how solid, how easy to use the phone is. The camera's got a pro mode, which you don't have to use, but you can if you want um, the overlay on the latest version of Android 7 is slick and smooth. There's not a lot of duplicate apps. Uh, it doesn't ask you a million questions. Setup is quick, easy, and consistent. Very rarely did I have apps crash on me. Um, the screen is, is big. It's really large, very, very high quality. Um, the cameras are excellent. The battery life is great. It's as good as any other high-end phone out there. You use it heavily during the day you need to top up around about four five o'clock but you can essentially get through a full day um, of moderate use without any hassle navigating you name it doing whatever you need to do the only real criticism i have of the g6 which is a personal thing it's a little blocky and very sort of ordinary looking it doesn't have any flashy curves and amazing feet you know sort of visual features it's solid it's clean Front and back is glass, um, but the latest Gorilla Glass 5, so it's, it's really smooth and easy to use. And because of the blockiness, it actually sits very solidly in your hand. It doesn't slip out. It doesn't feel um, insecure. And generally, LG devices have always aged extremely well. They've always retained their quality and their look over a, a, an extended period. So overall, I must say, if you're looking for a really top-end phone, at a very good price, um, you know, a very aggressive price right now, either on contract or cash. When you buy a pay-as-you-go, you can often save a ton of money doing that. But if you're looking at a contract anywhere from 350 Rand, I've seen it, up to about 500 Rand, depending per month, depending where, it is an excellent choice. You will really not be disappointed. I think that um, they've really done an extremely good job at bringing a solid top-end device to the market, which is as good as anything else from any other manufacturer at a highly competitive price. So go and have a look at the LG G6. It's available pretty much everywhere. And um, check it out. See if it, it fits your needs. And on that note, I think we have to have a quick break, and then we'll be back with one last little 
a bit of news, and that'll be that for today. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And something just crossed my desk, or my, my desktop <laughs> right now, which is really, really, really interesting. And unfortunately, I had a couple of other items I wanted to talk about, but I can see we're running out of time. But I thought this was really worth discussing and um you know it's just something that i've been following quite considerably over the last couple of years and that uh, a recent report from gartner has shown that the pc industry and when we talk about pcs we're talking about the traditional laptop desktop and uh, windows 10 type or windows based type pc environment not tablets not smartphones but worldwide pc shipments fell by 4.3% in the second quarter of 2017 compared to the same period of 2016. But what is so interesting about this? And I mean, it, it says more about um, the the form factor. It says more about the mobile revolution than it does about pure PCs per se, because certainly the economies of Europe, America have turned around and um, Africa may be in a slightly more variable space, certainly South Africa but certainly the major industrialized economies around the world have not got less computerized and certainly have not um, gone backwards. Things seem to have picked up. A lot of the issues around Europe have settled down. But for the this fall in the second quarter of 2017 marked the 11th straight quarter of declining shipments of um, PCs around the world. And that is absolutely amazing. 61 million PCs were shipped in the quarter two. And again, that was a 4.3 decline. And really, essentially, it seems that the PC industry is in the, in the midst of a five-year slump. And you can see it reflected. Intel, who used to be the largest chip manufacturer in the world by a long margin, has just been surpassed by Samsung. Now, Samsung don't make desktop chips. They only make chips. And a lot of people don't even realize how big Samsung are. Samsung semiconductors make you know, chips for, for smartphones and tablets and various other devices like smart TVs um, have now surpassed Intel in the chip business. Their turnover is bigger. They're now a bigger company than Intel, which is really, really, really interesting. So essentially what's happened is that the, the usage of PCs, the way we use PCs, the way that we um, interact with the Internet has moved staggeringly towards mobile devices. And certainly when you've got a 5.8-inch to 6.3-inch um, smartphone in your hands, you can do pretty much absolutely everything on that device that you used to do on your laptop or your tablet. So tablet sales, and that's a separate issue, have definitely declined considerably. PC sales have de declined considerably. And um, smartphones have continued to grow, albeit at a lower rate, because the world is starting to become fairly saturated with nearly 5 billion you know, smart devices on the market, which is a huge chunk of the population. But essentially, the whole usage of PCs has changed, and um, the, the sales continue to, to decline. And I must say that I expect that to continue. As the whole form factor changes, people can do pretty much whatever they used to do, check their email, check their social media, from a casual point of view, answer, um, type up letters, take notes, record things, interact with voice more and more and more. 
expect to see that side of the industry grow and the traditional laptop PC to continue to decline. Not that it's time to rush out there and not buy a new PC. I do believe the new ones are a lot better and a lot slicker than the older ones. But the fact is that the industry has fundamentally changed and so many things are happening in that space. And it just shows that uh, the standard PC is going or not going away. It has its niche, but it's slowing down considerably and will continue to do so. And smart devices and uh, voice-activated smart devices are going to continue to grow. And the last thing about that is that HP uh, are now number one again from Lenovo. And um, that's always uh, interesting. And Dell came in third. And on that note, just uh, to say it's been fun. Always enjoy talking tech. Listen in next week, Thursday from 11 to 12, right here on the Kai FM. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.